Adnai Mitchell, and I, I tweeted about this this week. Adnai Mitchell from Texas is a six foot four receiver who I was talking to his trainers. They were hand timing him, which can be a little different than electronic timing, in the four three five mm-hmm. second range in the 40 yard mm-hmm. dash. And that speed shows up on tape. So when I think, and I'm one of the biggest Josh Allen fans outside of Buffalo, New York, I think. But when I think about Josh, I would love for him to have that reliable, consistent, deep threat. Somebody that can stretch the field because Josh has the strongest arm in football, but also someone who can take some of those slant routes and turn them into house calls. Somebody yeah. can take the – that's where the game is going. Like, everyone wants to play too deep. I want a wide receiver who is going to hit that hitch and then can make someone miss and has the speed to run away. That is Matt Miller on Adonai Mitchell. You're listening to One Bills Live this week, getting tons of interviews. Sal, too. Just It's almost like a little mini Radio Row, Super Bowl, everybody's at the Combine. A lot of good information, a lot of good draft stuff. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, uh, on Adonai Mitchell. We go to the Western Hotline to do a little bit of chatter on some receivers and some defensive linemen. As uh, we're we're mixing it up with the small, speedy receivers, and then like the three hundred and sixty pound, three hundred sixty pound defensive linemen. We're, we're multitasking. Joining us on the Western Hotline is Anthony Prohaska of Cover One. You can find him on Twitter, Pro underscore Ant. And constantly chopping up, you know, film of I've got defensive linemen, then I've got wide receivers, Anthony. So you're you're all over it, multitasking the same way that we are. Morning, morning. Thank you very much for having me. And yeah, there's there's obviously the projection with the wide receiver piece, and I think that's a big want for a lot of Bills fans. So I try to cover that, but there is that defensive side that I know everyone hates, and it makes <laughs> everyone hate me. So it's a piece that still has to be covered, although it may be a little difficult at times. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, we've spent a lot of time today. I mean, our 7 o'clock segment was Sal's State of the Bills defensive line. We talked about a couple of the prospects. We know the defensive linemen go through testing today. There were some uh, podium sessions yesterday. Some of the guys, including Jerzon Newton, who talked about the idea of playing next to Ed Oliver. So, Anthony, as you look at this Bills defense and this defensive line, you start with that Oliver. That's a good piece to start with. Does the existence of Oliver, I asked this question to sell, how does Oliver's style determine the kind of guy that you want to spend an asset on next to him? Like, What is the best use if they're going to spend first, second round pick? What style of defensive lineman goes next to Ed Oliver? And that's the question that you have to ask when you're talking about like what type of piece you are adding to that starting defensive line spot because with Ed Oliver, you have more of that three-tech player, that position who is trying to get upfield. I mean, the Bills defensive line in general is a a one-gap penetrating type of front. They want to get upfield. They want to cause havoc and chaos in the backfield. And you look at Ed with his size and his frame and his skill set, you have that player like that. And so pairing another starter with him, you really want someone, you know, I guess I kind of give everyone the easiest picture. Like you want someone like a Daquan Jones, like someone who can anchor down, who's not going to get moved off the spot, who can handle double teams, who holds strong at the point of attack. But then also ideally you would like some pass rush pop in their game as well, which is something that Daquan really offered uh, in 2023 before he went down with that pec injury. And I think that's something, you know, John Newton, um, he offers that in spades with a pass rush pop perspective but there is some positional redundancy with Ed Oliver as far as you know where you want to place them to maximize their skill set so I think the idea of like placing him next to Ed on early downs as that one tech isn't necessarily ideal 
but it could potentially work if you bring in a starting one tech or someone bigger bodied in free agency. And then you start to get really fun and creative on third downs, which you're thinking, you know, putting Newton and Ed Oliver on the interior on those third downs or known passing situations, because you really have a strong chance to compromise the depth of the pocket. And when talking about this class, like, you know, I, I, I know 20 of the receiver names. So when it comes to defensive line and especially the interior guys, it doesn't seem like there are that many names that are thrown around in the first round. You know, the receivers, quarterbacks, tackles. That seems to be we could see big numbers in the first round, which means not as many first-round defensive players overall. How many defensive linemen interior are you expecting in the first round? Really just Byron Murphy from Texas and then uh, Newton, who we just talked about from Illinois. Murphy gives you a lot of versatility on the interior, uh, you know, he can play in that three tech, but I also think he can play in that one tech spot that the bills would covet based on how their defensive line is shaken out right now. I expect him to go early. He, he's got a lot of great stuff on tape. And um, I was actually pretty disappointed. I was down in mobile for the senior bowl and first practice was Tuesday morning on Monday night. Word came out that Murphy was, you know, kind of a no go for the senior bowl. I, I think something came through with like his hand was banged up or something, but not to read too much into it, it seemed a little bit of, I don't know, an agent or somebody being like, hey, man, you're probably going to go in the first half of the first round. You don't need to do anything this week, so just kind of chill. Um, I anticipate Murphy going in the first round. I anticipate Newton going in the first round as well. They both have first-round grades for me. I think there's a chance to Vondre Sweat, you know, big. We'll see what he measures here at the Combine. He didn't measure it uh, in Mobile, but big 360-pound defensive tackle. We'll see what he does at the combine there's a chance he could creep into the first round but he doesn't offer you that true third down three down um you know snap option like a newton or a murphy does you know he's got some knockback ability as far as pass rush but he's really more of like a well, first and second down run stopping kind of player who has some pass rush pop in that instance but not somebody that you're looking as a true three down guy and i think that kind of falls in line with a lot of the other defensive tackles who after Murphy and Newton, there's some aspect of their game that makes them more of a rotational player or more of a siloed type of skill set, which is why you see a lot of these guys more towards second round, third round, or even day three. Anthony, I want to ask you, so if you're trying to prioritize positions, I know like us, a lot of us at the station, Jeremy and I included are like on this, we, the, they they need to go receiver in the first round. And and we talked about a couple of segments ago with Sale, like the potential for maybe are you even comfortable reaching for a receiver um at twenty eight if you if you feel like it's a it's a guy you really like and have conviction on. But like if you had to choose between the Bills are at twenty eight and they can get the third best defensive tackle or the sixth or fifth best wide receiver, I, I feel like I'm you would probably also be on the train of this is really not about what you would do at 28. It's what you feel like you can get value-wise in the second round. And, and I wonder for you, the wide receiver value is going to be there in the first and second round. But would you think if they're going to prioritize, like, we need a defensive tackle at some point in the first 65 picks, that the second round makes way more sense for that and prioritize the wide receiver for the first? And this is, that's a great point and great question. I, I think that resource allocation and that draft value, it, it's all about, you know, if we go at position A now, what's the drop-off versus the, the positions that we, you know, forego in that situation? I think a lot of it for the defensive tackle spot or defensive line in general comes down to what they do in free agency. 
like obviously right now, if, if the draft happened today, they have to go defensive line with like every pick because they just don't have the body. Um, but I, I think there, there is that question of like the positional drop off and the rotational piece. I am a fan. I, I think another option I throw in there, I know a lot of people talk about the positional value not being there up top. I think safety is an option depending on what happens in free agency. Um, like Tyler Newbin from Minnesota at pick 28 or Cam Kitchens safety from Miami at pick 28. I think that's also a strong potential and option, but you know, I, I don't love enough defensive tackles really at 28 aside from Newton and aside from Murphy to want to go that route in round one. I would be fine with Tavondre Sweat because I think it's an interesting option, even though I still don't love it, but it does fit a need. It does have a schematic fit to a degree, although it is a bit of a departure from what the Bills usually like. They, they still want more upfield generating, you know, penetrating style in those nose tackles or in that kind of one tech that Sweat isn't necessarily about. So I would expect them to go more of like a rotational guy in the second round or third round. Well, the combine's been underway. Some testing today, defensive lineman test today. I want to get back to that in a minute. And also, we're not going to be done but without talking receivers a little more. But on the safety point, Anthony Prohaska joining us of Cover One. Uh, on the safety point, you know, if they did go safety early, whatever the first round, second round, I would be inclined, Anthony, to point out that it's been important to McDermott. And if there's one thing this team has done really well, it's been really good against the pass for most of McDermott's time. When they're a healthy defense, they're good. And they've been, he has run the best pass defense in football. If you put all of the, the last six years together, the Bills are the best. They do not give up touchdowns. They're a great defense. And if they handpick a safety early, my immediate fallback would just be like, okay, they know what they're doing in that department. Could they get somebody in free agency like a, the next Jordan Poyer that they identify? Maybe. But to me, a safety pick would make a lot of sense just because it's kind of their bread and butter with how they run a McDermott defense. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's a bit of playing like kind of both sides of it because on the one hand, you and I've gotten this feedback a lot because every time I mock a safety or talk about a safety, I get yelled at on Twitter. But you got the position group, the defensive back as a whole, the defensive back grouping as a whole, but really the safeties. McDermott taking, you know, Micah Hyde, who was more of a, a slot safety punt returner option at Green Bay and turning him to, into an all-pro safety, taking Jordan Poyer, who was really kind of a free agency cast-off, turning him into an all-pro safety aspect. I think you get a lot of people who say, like, well, they don't have to invest significant resources into safety because look how good they are at coaching up that spot. So there is that side of it of thinking like you don't need to spend, you know, or allocate primary resources to that spot when you can get so much blood from the stone from free agent castoffs or guys on a one or two year deal and maybe a late round safety. But then on the other side of that coin in conversation, there is that thought of, yeah, look what they've done with guys that they've got from kind of bargain barrel aspects. Imagine what Sean McDermott and crew can do with someone that they do invest those, you know, higher resources into. Granted, this is a similar conversation that was had around Kyrie Elam and that hasn't worked out too much at this point. Yep. But with, with the skill sets that Tyler Newbin and Cam Kitchens offer, and there, there are several safeties in this class that I do like, but Newbin and Kitchens are really a, a tier above everybody else significantly in this class. And when you take a true four-down, three-down impact safety who has the ability to take the ball away and turn the ball over and play a variety of pro-style coverages already 
at the college level and then input them into Sean McDermott's defense, given his ability to coach up that position and maximize every drop of juice and talent from that spot, it becomes an interesting and exciting you know, option potential at, at pick 28, although for some it's terrible and awful. <laughs> uh, Anthony does a podcast for Cover One, the Disguise Coverage podcast, works in the film room, a bunch of the guys too. We have uh, Nate, I know you talk with Eric on the station quite a bit, do some stuff with Eric, so does Sal, Eric Turner, Cover One. Um, you know, I'm looking, I, I just double-checked to make this point. T.J. Watt taken 30th overall, right? Like a game-wrecking defensive edge rusher. He does. He's amazing. And the reason I, I look at him is because sometimes you can get a game-wrecker late that, for whatever reason, there are warts on him. Teams don't like something about Size him. or something. production. And yeah. I, I want to give you two names today, Anthony, on the defensive side of the ball because defensive line's testing today. The, the, the two names I remember the most because of whether it's comps or whatever, and that's Chop Robinson uh, and is it Darius Robinson and is it Chop Robinson too? Chop Chop Robinson, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah both. Yeah. I'm, I'm confusing myself because they're both last name Robinson. <laughs> Chop Robinson from Penn State, Darius Robinson yep. from Missouri. They'll both test today, and they're both potential in like that freak mode. Ro- Darius Robinson, Missouri has played all up and down the line, transitioning from interior to exterior. And I've seen his... From zero to nine, right, he said, technique. I, I've yeah. seen his comp as J.J. Watt, just because of the size and all the things he can do. So um, these are two guys, I, w- I wonder your thoughts on them, and if testing could you know, take them out of the Bills range because they test so well. And, Anthony, too, I saw yesterday that uh, Chop Robinson expects to run in the 4 force. Yeah. Yeah, well, he... We'll start with Chop there. He... He, his tape from a technical perspective and technique perspective isn't necessarily what you want to see, but he does have the traits that he's one of those guys that you see the way he moves and the juice that he plays with. And it's that type of guy. They're like, okay, we can help him refine his pass rush plan and we can help him refine his technique and, and his process of what he's doing. His strongest aspect of, or the strongest aspect of his game is his get off. There's a couple reps where, He's in the backfield before, like it's a run, and he's in the backfield like right as the quarterback is handing the ball off to the running back. Like he goes from zero to a hundred in an instant, and he's got that ability to just shoot gaps or turn the arc. And you look at how he's built; he's a little on like the smaller side, especially for what the Bills like in their edges. You know, he's six three, two hundred fifty pounds, um, and I think if he tests well at the combine it really boosts his draft stock because he's one of those guys that needs to test well at the combine to show his burst and his change of direction and his speed. And, you know, it's not the end all be all, but when you get those guys at those spots that run times that are rare, like if you get an edge player that's running a four, four, it can shoot him up some draft boards, you know, and if he was a second round guy, maybe he starts to creep in to the back end of that first round. I do want to see more technique improvement and pass rush plan um, things from him. And in addition to kind of just being more consistent down in and down out, we'll see how the size plays. But when, and then when you look at Darius Robinson, Darius Robinson is the one for me that really makes a lot of sense for the bills at 28, just because of his play style and the archetype fit that he is at edge. The bills traditionally under Sean McDermott and Brandon beans, they look for bigger body, bigger frame pocket compression edges. The, Von Miller's and the Leonard Floyd's of the world are, are very much kind of the antithesis of what they look for at edge. They want guys preferably with longer arms and, again, bigger body dudes that compress the pocket. And that's where you're going to get in Darius Robinson. So, again, just com- comparing the two, Chop is sit- listed at 6'3", 250. We'll see what both these guys measure at the combine. But Chop is 6'3", 250. Darius Robinson is 6'5", 
286, <laughs> and he's also got almost 35-inch arms, and he plays to that arm length and that pocket compression style. And he also played in the defense at Missouri where he was lined up on the inside shoulder of tackles a lot. So he had to do a lot as far as run fits and run responsibility, which you know Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean love for their defensive line. But he's someone that I think his pass rush game is still coming along. You know, he's a power-based rusher. He's looking to go through somebody or stack and shed, kind of push-pull. Um, but if he has a strong combine, he, he really shoots up boards. He had a good senior bowl week. He looks good. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. We'll see how he does in the 40. We'll see how he does with his change direct, uh, direction testing. But the tape is strong. He interviews well, and he looks great. And, again, he fits that archetype fit. Like, if he ends up being the pick at 28, I would not be surprised at all given his skill set, the fit, and the need for the Bills. Anthony, before we finish up, let's do our due diligence on receivers. I know you're – every time I'm logging on to Twitter just to, like, you know, check anything, I've got, you know, all 22 from you, which is great. <laughs> like, you're you're always at it. So, at receiver, you know, a lot's been said about the class, about the three that are probably off the board. The fourth and fifth guys tend to be, what, like Brian Thomas Jr., or Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, uh, Troy Franklin. L- let's just ask about those those middle four, right? Like the guys that, depending on how these teams draft and how they value them, the guys that could fall in the Bills' range. What's your favorite idea of the guys that fall in the Bills' range? Oh, man, it's such a loaded question, and I go back and forth on it all the time. It, I think the, the combine testing will really sort some things out. You know, you look at a guy like Brian Thomas, and not to simplify his game, but – you know, big, big dude who runs fast. You're looking at a wide receiver who's, you know, six foot four, 200 plus pounds. If he comes into the combine and runs a four, three or a four, four, all of a sudden he looks like a guy who's probably going in the top 20 and he's somebody who can high point the football downfield. And, you know, that prototypical guy who kind of plays above the rim and all of these guys really have different aspects to their game. Like Thomas plays different than Mitchell who plays different than worthy. And it's really fun to watch Texas's tape and see, Mitchell and Worthy on the field at the same time, given how they play. I would, I would prefer my, my, so I'll say this, my favorite receiver out of that next crop of guys is Xavier Worthy. I think the speed plus his route running precision, plus his toughness after the catch, despite being, you know, six foot, uh, about 170 pounds. He's really got a lot of a complete professional style to his game already built in with the explosion to his game. But I think it would be nice to get a bigger body, bigger frame type of dude based on what the Bills receiver room looks like right now. So adding that different dynamic with somebody who is who or who has more of some ball winning aspect to their game or more of that true X receiver type of size who can win one on one matchups, ideally in a variety of ways. That guy prototypically that you're looking at the Bills offense and imagine Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Khalil Shakir are in trips to one side, and you've got this other guy one-on-one on the backside. You want him to give a threat to the defense to make them think, well, we can't go single high coverage. We need to go split because we need to keep a safety over the top because maybe we don't have a corner good enough to stay one-on-one with this guy. Maybe we have to take our number one and put him on the Bills' number two receiver because he can beat us deep, he can beat us underneath, he can route us up, we can lose a jump ball. You need someone that makes the defense question how they play you I think those guys are all in play there at 28. Well, um, but then based on that fit, I would go with the bigger option. To, to a final point here on Worthy, you know, you mentioned him as as one of your favorite ideas. He is 
Uh, I was looking at Danny Kelly of the Ringer. His comp for Worthy, this will take Bills fans not too far back because many dreamed of Zay Flowers last year. And that's what Danny Kelly says, shades of Zay Flowers in Xavier Worthy, whether that's the speed, the the electric ability after the catch. Like These are things the Bills are talking about wanting, and I, I believe probably wanted last year too, not to say they would have taken Flowers over Kincaid, but I'm sure they would have valued Flowers quite highly. Yeah, you get someone in Worthy who, again, he's got that technical aspect to his game as far as being a route runner, but then he's got that electricity and that speed. I could see him running in the high four threes or the low four fours. That's not out of the question. And what's also nice with him is how good of a ball tracker he is downfield. So if Josh Allen is like launching moon balls downfield, it's going to be real hard to outthrow Xavier Worthy and then his hand-eye coordination and body control as he's going down the field. There's one it's a clip that gets played a ton. It's his long touchdown against Alabama this year. He's running kind of more a post and going towards that front pylon in the end zone. And Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, throws it more towards the middle of the field. And he adjusts like a center fielder that's running towards the warning track. And he tracks it the whole way and follows it and adjusts his track and just makes an over-the-face, over-the-shoulder basket catch. And he makes it look routine. He does have some drops issues in the underneath and intermediate that he has improved upon. But if you want that deep threat with juice, who also offers you some technical aspect, as far as a route runner, Xavier Worthy's your guy. Very good. Anthony Prohaska of cover one on Twitter. It's at pro underscore Ant, and, uh, you know, log on, follow Anthony. I retweeted, uh, his appearance here and, uh, you'll be getting all 22 within what, like 20 minutes. I mean, you're on it a lot and, uh, it's a service. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. Anthony, great work as always. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and, uh, enjoy the cold and enjoy the snow. Yes, very much. So <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> Anthony Proeska, cover one podcast host of, uh, disguised coverage is the podcast does some work on the film room. And, uh, like I said, like you're just going to follow him at pro underscore ant. Lots and lots of film. You know how much all 22 I watch these days, Nate? A lot. I mean, just because it comes to me. Because it's in your face. It's nice. It's very yeah. It's very available. Yeah. There's a clip of, funny clip of Worthy that Anthony had where he, he said his player comp for Worthy is Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I saw just, that too. Yeah. It's just because he runs through the face of a defender one time. It's pretty pretty good. All right, 803-0550. We've got a couple of things to get to, of course, throughout the morning, including there's uh there's a... You know, we got all these fledgling leagues and new leagues, and they're all trying the cool rules that other leagues talk about, right? Picking, they're too scared to do. Picking your yeah. own opponent or um, the play-in round in the NBA or the Elam ending. One of those fancy-schmancy, analytics-driven formats is being adopted in a league. And it would have been relevant here. You know, like in, uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, we'll get to that. I think it's a fun thing to talk about. And uh, Josh, are you in on leap seconds? You can tell us what's up, or is your brain melted? I, it's it's hurting. I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. I, I'm I'm trying to understand for for the people. Okay, for leap seconds, I, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's we're getting there. You look I, you look defeated. It's a lot of information and a lot of <laughs> acronyms and a lot of oh time. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see where that takes us to. Jeremy White, Nate, Gary, Joe out today. It's uh, 828. It's cold. It stopped snowing here in Amherst. Sunny outside, but uh, you know the temperature drop has not been fun. It'll be nice tomorrow, though. You can join us if you'd like, 803-0550 on WGR.
we franchised T. Higgins because we want him to be a part of the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals because he's a good football player and we had the resources and the salary cap situation to do that and uh, we don't want to lose good players and T. Higgins is a good player and that's where that is. Hypotheticals are hard for me to answer but as anybody knows you start uh, ruling things out and sometimes you look like a fool. Duke Tobin, Director of Player Personnel of the Bengals, on the decision to franchise tag T. Higgins. We've got a stat of the day for you. It's not a conventional stat of the day. It's just something I I was looking up trivia, and in the process of putting together some instant trivia, I found a stat of the day for you on the Bills. And let's just say like this is, this is proof that I can uh, – give you a stat that you know I'm not I'm not above ignoring wide receiver for a little while so you said it with such disdain though <laughs> it's like you said well, it with your mouth here's it, the, let's it's a stat about perception versus reality then we're going to get to this uh the gold plan in uh, a sports league that's being implemented so Nate the reputation the Bills have if they take a defensive lineman right they take a defensive end or defensive tackle mm-hmm we all know, without even saying it's a bad pick, we don't like the pick, don't like the player. You might, the phone lines will light up for another asset on the defensive line. Holy cow, I mean, I might be saying it myself, but holy cow, how many how many times can they do this? <laughs> so I looked it up. Their defensive line picks in the last four years. It's Epinesa, Basham, Rousseau. That's it. It's not been a ton, ton. It's not been a lot. They took Ed Oliver, number one, in 2019. Since then, 29 picks and three defensive linemen. It's only three. They've taken a punter and a kicker. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. the stat of the day is, like, in the last four drafts, there's only been three defensive linemen total. If you do defensive backs, you get a lot more. Even I'm, I'm talking guys whose names you forgot. Defensive back, seventh round, Alex Austin. There's Benford and Elam. Mm-hmm. Damar Hamlin, of course, draft pick. Corner Dane Jackson, seventh rounder. You just get defensive line really has not been something they've spent. I know, first round pick in Rousseau, second round pick in Basham, second round pick in Epinesa. Big money on you know different guys here and there, whether that's Vaughn, Leonard Floyd, but maybe it's a That's little, what it is, by the way. It's that they've spent money and, yep. and picks, right? Yeah. That's right. Trent yep. Trent Murphy, Mario Addison. They're rotating guys. They want a lot of bodies there. They always do. So anyway, stat of the day. I just wanted to get that because there's a little bit of, I don't know, perception versus reality on that. You know, the perception is they do nothing but spend picks on defensive line, and they really have not done it that much. So there you go. That is our... Stat of the day for you. Surprised? Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Only three. I'm not surprised. It feels like more. But, again, I just think you. what ends up happening is you lump in all the money they've spent. And, listen, is, is especially today. Now, people felt this last year, two years ago, before they signed Von Miller. But... I think now, because of what they still owe Von Miller and what they're getting, 
there's a even like starker, starkier, whatever the word is there, um, hatred of the idea of spending more because you have this enigma making lots of money who right now is probably in a lot of people's minds holding the team back from really adding a piece somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, yeah. the, it, the, that I, was the risk with the signing. It is, and I don't know that you should abandon all hope that he could still be serviceable. I don't think last year is any indication of what he ultimately will be. I think that's probably right. I mean, it doesn't mean he's going to get back to his peak form, but I am not giving up on that yet. I also know what I know about Von Miller is he is an athletic and like gym freak. I also know he's a Hall of Famer that's not going to want to end his career with the thoughts being the way that they are around him from his performance last year. That's the one thing I hold out hope is like, A, he's a Hall of Famer. B, that dude, when he's in the offseason, the workouts that he posts, he's a workout freak. Like, he'll have his body ready for the season. And I also think there's just that level of pride that, like, he's not going to want people to think that's the player that he's going to be when he ends his career. Yep. Got that's what we hope, anyways. Okay, so two things from the Professional Women's Hockey League. Yes. They have decided to do a couple different things that aren't done all over the place in sports. So it's the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. They announced yesterday their playoff and draft formats. In the playoffs, top four teams make it. What are they going to do? First place team chooses its opponent. You have 24 hours to pick your opponent in the semifinals. It's actually kind of cool. So you pick your matchup. Who who do you want to play? You're the one seed. We do that in fantasy football in our leagues. Oh, really? Yes. Top seed picks opponent. Pick your matchup. So they're doing this now for the the PWHL is doing that. That's not that radical. A lot of teams are probably afraid of it because of, you know, bulletin board material. Hashtag bulletin board. So that's the first. Yeah, you don't want to be the team that picks someone and then loses. You just don't want to lose either way. That's right. Whether you pick them or not. That's right. It's still a loss. But it would be fun to have a show where like, all right, hey, Bills and who? Who do you want? They're going to announce their pick at 4 o'clock today. Let's talk about who they should pick. That'd be fun. The other thing they're doing, initially built out or proposed by Adam Gold. He's a statistician who proposed this idea at the Sloan Analytics Conference in 2012. The gold plan is how they will award the draft order. And if you don't remember what the gold plan was, let us let me let me take you back in time to a time when the Sabres were aiming to finish last. And we argued about it. Excuse me. And some of us had a really good time and enjoyed it. And others thought they need to change everything they can to stop this from happening. Which, you know, I understand. Here's the gold plan. Once a team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, it begins earning draft order points in all other games. You're mathematically eliminated. You start winning after that, you get points in a separate column. Draft order points. Using the same point system. So if the Sabres were to be eliminated from the playoffs tomorrow, every game they win after that, they get two points. Right? The team with the most draft order points at the conclusion of the regular season earns the first pick. The non-playoff team with the fewest draft order points selects second in each round of the draft. So that means that you win after losing. 
And there's a couple of examples of how this has played out. Like in baseball last year, Oakland had the worst record. Oakland would not be picking first. They'd be picking second. The Royals Hell last yeah. year. There you go. You're a Royals Woo. fan. They were eliminated about two and a half weeks after the A's, but had more wins in that time, so they would be rewarded. Basically, once your team's eliminated, you would not root for your team to lose. You would root for your team to win. Is it perfect? No. Because what would I do? I should be hired as a tanking consultant. They just, Give me your plan on how to avoid tanking, and I'll tell you how I will tank right through it. Yeah, you'll, fi- you'll always find a way. I'm going to find a way. And this one's very easy. How do you tank through this? You just tank harder earlier. Yeah, right. Tank hard early. Make a deadline acquisition. Think about this if this existed in like the McDavid year. All right, here's what we're going to do. The McDavid Eichel draft. We're going to we're going to well, I mean this is going to be the tank of a lifetime. We're going to start 0 and 60 and at the deadline we're buying. Yep. That's a fun year. Yep. Wow, but, the, 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 this, but this, wait, the, the Sabres, seeking their first win, have acquired Timo Meyer, Jacob Chikrin, UC Soros. <laughs> They're going for it here. They're going it's for not, it. It's not that bad. I just, I would just, 22 and 60, baby. I would just tank hard early and then go for it. So my question for you is, with this, what, what wouldn't stop you from wanting to be the first? What, what, what's the benefit of being the absolute worst team when the deadline... Of you know when you're mathematically eliminated, you want to be mathematically eliminated first. Yes. Okay. As early as possible. Yeah, because what if you're eliminated on the last day of the season? Then and you're, then you've got no time to acquire points. But then it's just like the regular system where you were almost a playoff team. You were too good. The draft order points are just separate from your actual points. If you're eliminated on the last day of the season, you have 89 points. So you were never in the mix. Yeah. Anyway, what it what it does among other things, it also eliminates the lottery. There's no more lottery. The PWHL will not have a lottery. They just have the gold plan. So I think it's interesting. It's fun. It's different. Would I sign up for other leagues doing it? Sure. I don't have any problem with, but again, let's, ready? Let's play it out right now. The NHL standings, the way they are, where these teams are. If you are a team like the Sabres right now, who are, you are not mathematically eliminated, but you are. Mm, boy, Chicago and San Jose are going to be eliminated soon. They have 35 points. So a team like Columbus might be in a good spot. You only have to get eliminated soon and then start winning games, and you could pass these teams that are so dreadfully bad. It's interesting. I don't fully hate it. I don't think it kills tanking. I think in a year like, you know, even though we're kind of joking about what would happen in a McDavid year, Let's say you know Austin Matthews is available next year, and you're a team that's going to be bad. Oh, and 60, baby. And then start buying. Anyway, the PWHL to do both those things. And that's cool. 803-0550, to join us. Jeremy and Nate with you. Joe's out today. Josh Schmidt's here. Still working on leap seconds. In we've the, in we've the, made some progress. In the break, he told us that every couple of years, time goes backwards. Which is, by the way, is like such a weird thing to drop on people, yes. by the way. Hey, guys, here's what I found. You put me on this. You I, made me look for this somebody, stuff. It's, it's, it's leap day, and somebody wanted to learn about leap seconds. said, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, learn about leap seconds, and you're doing it. And today you've learned that time goes backwards. Only so, sli- I'll explain more. Okay. It's, it's 
It's complicated. Should we call a scientist or a doctor or something? I don't know who you would call, <laughs> but we could find somebody. Is there a time An si- anthropologist. I don't know. Yeah. Is there a time scientist listening right now? Is that a, is that a position yeah, people have? What's that called? A time? It's, it's, it's an agist of some sort. A timeologist? <laughs> yeah. If there is one, they probably work at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Because okay. that's right. one of the websites I've been looking at. Yeah, of course. Imagine, imagine yourself three years ago saying that sentence. Nice at. Everybody yeah, imagine if I... Everybody doesn't know it's nice at. If I was in, if I told my freshman year college self that I was doing this on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning, yeah. look yeah. at me, I can't even. Yeah, look, your leap year's so screwed up. You think it's <laughs> yeah. the afternoon, right? What'd you do at work today? Learned about time going backwards. Mm, okay. All right. Here at WGR, do you see Tenet? Yeah, but I didn't understand a damn second of yeah, it. Yeah, I have not seen it yet because I turned it off because I didn't understand it. I love all the Christopher Nolan movies. Me too. And it's about time going whatever. I gotta get to. It. I gotta see it. I gotta like. It's gonna take a full commitment. We should re- we should reverse time so we can hit break on time. I'd like to reverse time on this show. I never get these three hours back. <laughs> All right, we'll get a break and maybe we'll learn about time going backwards. I I don't know. I also want to tell you other stuff to get to today. I want to get to uh, the Chiefs being the new Patriots. We gotta make fun of them a little bit. And uh, I still haven't made I still haven't made you gasp. At the uh, Tua market value numbers, where you know I'm the guy for this. I know you. So. I know this is your wheelhouse. We'll get to that too. Time for another ticket giveaway. Be caller five to win a pair of tickets to the men's college basketball tournament watch party at Seneca Resort and Casino. Thursday, March 21st, or Sunday, March 24th. The open court ticket includes unlimited access to the fantastic buffet, five hours of tournament viewing, high-speed internet, and a cash bar. First come, first serve. Seating must be 21 and up to win. Visit SenecaNiagaraCasino.com for details. Got to get you the pick of the week here. Is it cold outside? I mean, we're inside, and I know if I look at... It was chilly this morning. I look at my phone, it's going to say, well, like 30, and it looks beautiful. It does. The sun, it's deceiving. 23? Yeah. Jeez. It's tough. That is tough. Time for the pick of the week. Pick of the week is brought to you by Riverfront Auto Sales. And I'm looking through the schedule here, like what what's the right best event? Pick of the week from Riverfront. 2016 Audi A5. If you're going to start thinking spring, this is the car for you. All leather, beautifully maintained, convertible with low miles, Buy it now at RiverfrontAutoSales.com. Call my friends Marty Sr. Marty Jr. at 886-1626. Maybe go today because people aren't thinking convertible, but by tomorrow it's nice again. They might. So that's pick of the week is an Audi an Audi A5 convertible. Pick of the week. It's a decent golf event. The PGA National at the Honda Classic. A lot of water at that course. Yep. We're a couple weeks away from Bay Hill, and then we get into the, like, the real meat of it, right? Bay Hill, the players, the Valspar. I even like the Valspar. The Masters is five, six weeks away. Maybe the pick of the week should be Taylor Gooch and his incredible foot-in-mouth ability. It's incredible. Taylor Gooch, who's never done really anything, saying that if Rory... One PGA Tour win. Yeah, if Rory wins the Masters, it won't count because the field, it won't be full, even though it's the Masters. The field's going to be just fine. And Rory is yet to win that Masters for the career Grand Slam. Okay, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Yeah. Sure. Pick of the week. I mean, Sabres, Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know if Eichel looks like he's going to play. 
He was back to skating yesterday. Maybe. But the Sabres need to string together some wins. They play Tampa tonight. Working theory for me is that Tampa stinks. This Nikita Kucherov is still really good. He, he is. He's it's, very good. It's one of the frustrating things about this season is that Detroit is doing the thing the Sabres are supposed to do. And even with that happening, Tampa's sitting there just vulnerable, ready, ready to be taken. Like, for the picking. This yeah. is a year for the Sabres to have not finished in the bottom three in the division. You've got, you know, Florida, Boston, Toronto. They're taking those top three spots. And then Detroit and Tampa. Tampa's fifth. Yeah. This was a year to pass Tampa. I don't. It's disappointing to not be up there. So Sabres and Lightning tonight, by the way. You can uh, catch that game here on WGR from Tampa. Jeremy and Nate. You can give us a call if you want. Final hour of the show coming up, 803-0550, if you'd like to uh, join in. Have a wide receiver idea of the day. Let's call it a bargain wide receiver in unrestricted free agency. We'll do that next. Wide receiver idea of the day coming up.